surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Hello, welcome to Let's Talk About It. I am back with co-host Kit Bender, but today he's not co-host Kit Bender. It's a little uh, a roll switcheroo. Not switch, uh, readjustment. Yeah, a roll flip. Roll flip. Let me see it do a roll flip. Okay. It's Raven's Okay. Backflip. Right. Um, yeah, we... It's been a few episodes since you've been on, and we did an episode with Ra- with Raven mm-hmm. and talked about domestic violence, and me and her shared our stories um, and got, like, really vulnerable and really um, open and personable, personal okay. with all of that. And, um, you know, I really wanted to, like, share the, uh, the flip side of it. Mm-hmm. And have it from like a male perspective. Um, and I did actually get a letter from someone who did express. She said, I really enjoyed your most recent podcast with Raven discussing domestic violence. I was wondering if you'd look into having a podcast with the same topic, but from a male experience. One thing my partner and I have in common is that we both came from toxic relationships. I feel like it would be good for the audience to also know this happens to men and not just to women. How both sexes can be can see the warning signs for not just females, but for males as well. And I couldn't agree with her more. I think that's a great point to make and certainly want males to be represented in this area as well. Enter Kit Bender. Enter Kit Bender. Um, and I was sad that you weren't also on that episode with Raven, but I think it's also beneficial to give light to each one individually. Okay. So partially why I wanted you to come on to talk about this is because I know you very well and you're a very dear friend. And so I know that you have a history with this kind of a thing and that you can relate to some of this. So thank you for being open to like coming and being a little bit more personal and sharing more of your personal story as a guest today. Yeah, this isn't something that I've talked really to very many people at all about, um, but I think it was a very significant part of you know the first half of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the people listening are probably like, "What? <laughs> not even not even sure what we're going to be talking about yet." So I'm like, yeah. "This thing that happened that uh, we'll like, we'll we'll figure out." Yeah, but. and I I think it's also. I think it can sometimes be interpreted a little bit more like to the extreme end. And I hope that no one listening is thinking that, you know, I'm saying or that we would be saying or implying that like the domestic violence or abuse in relationships towards women doesn't matter because we're going to talk about how that happens with males and, you know, that there's kind of this sense around male mental health in general that it's like, be a man, don't talk about it. Um, So we're going to put the men in mental health. There you go. (laughs) There you go. You got your little fun plug. I got it. I I was really hoping I remembered to say that. Yes. Uh, 
don't think it's going to be the last time it's said. No, uh, unfortunately, probably for you. And fortunate for your number of eye rolls. That's yes, what I'm... exactly. But I think it's it's also really important to like look at this from a very humanistic perspective mm-hmm. um, where, you know, it... Yes, we've we've discussed like male privilege in previous episodes and while those things do exist it also doesn't mean that like you can't also feel the feels. Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to give some attention to that today. To my feels? Mhm. Okay. Where yeah. do we where do we begin? Well, I think we kind of begin with what this relationship started out as for you and then kind of getting to like where things started to go wrong, where red flags started to come up and the the journey and process, I guess, to identifying that you were in a pretty abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it started primarily for me because I was raised in a very, um, very conservative house uh, where we weren't really encouraged to, to date a lot. It was, it was more of a uh, the, the the thinking was more that if you trusted the process that at 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 some point you know it, for what I was told was that God would bring mm-hmm. God would bring a wife mm-hmm. and then that would it would all it would all work out because it would all be part of uh, you know that kind of grand plan um, and it did all work out and it was all part of a grand plan but not in a way that I would have ever expected so when I got into college mm-hmm. I um, began. Uh, dating and then eventually married. So I married my first, effectively my first girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, at so age? At age 23 mm-hmm. was when we got married. We started dating when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we split up when I was 26. So I think a six, six-year relationship mm-hmm. almost. Um, so when I think about the warning signs and when I think about the ways that <clears throat> the ways that I was experiencing reality mm-hmm. in that relationship and what I was going through, uh, a lot of it didn't make sense and a lot of it I didn't see until after the fact because yeah. I didn't have a lot of perspective going in. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the one of the things, I don't know if, how deep you got into this with Raven, but one of the significant factors was that within the relationship, I uh, was was very isolated. Mm-hmm. I was isolated away from a lot of influences or people that could maybe see and then mm-hmm. tell me some of these red flags. Uh, so, And that's kind of what we, we call as like the blinders. And Raven gave a really good um, image to that of being, you know, in a being a horse with the blinders on, you know, that that's like all you really see and that the isolation is a huge part of that. And that's like a really important key part of the cycle of domestic violence and and why people do stay in um, abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. I'll also just maybe say at the beginning that it wasn't abusive in the sense that I was physically Mm -hmm. abused. Um, It was was more of an an emotional abuse and manipulation, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and that that is still abuse. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was honestly something that I had to really come to terms with mm-hmm. because there's, uh, especially given that conservative upbringing and having a certain view yeah. of divorce, where there are very specific guidelines and parameters as to when divorce is something that it could be considered an option. And when I uh, 
when I got to a place where I began even considering it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part of my, my brain and even part of my, my social structure that was looking for that reason. And the reasons are primarily things that are tangible. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. are you, you know, is one person cheating on the other person or is there like actual physical abuse mm-hmm. where you're in physical danger? But outside of that, there wasn't a lot of allowance yeah. for uh, factors. Well, I think that that's typical for people, even without that conservative background, um, even just in everyday rela- you know, relationships that aren't marriage yet, that yeah. people often feel like, and I know I've dealt with this in my relationships in the past too, that like we need something specific to happen. Like there has to be like an event to explain the breakup for it to make sense. It's not right. just like a, this isn't a relationship I'm happy in anymore. Right, right. And oftentimes things get dragged out. Yeah, and it definitely was dragged out. And it definitely was, wasn't was just, I'm not happy anymore. It honestly was a thing where I realized that I was never happy. And I realized mm-hmm. it was always something that I was kind of trying to force and make happen and um, succeed in by sticking around despite mm-hmm. how abusive it actually was. That the, su- that the success was just that you were married. Yes. But not what the relationship actually was. That you had the label, but that the content of the relationship wasn't yeah. important. Absolutely. And the label was there. And the label was a thing that for you know, social and religious uh, and family reasons was, you know, it was, it was important to maintain, mm-hmm. to maintain that and kind of keep, keep on that path. Yeah. And there was, you know, it was, it was a little hard to just be like, you know, this is, an, this is, this is abusive and, and use that as a reason. It almost felt, maybe not to other people, but at least it felt kind of to me at first, like, you know, am I, is this just a cop out? Hmm. Is this just me not being strong enough? Yeah. So I want to take a quick break from the show to tell you guys about Sun Basket, which honestly, I am so excited to have sponsor the pod. They are absolutely amazing. They deliver fresh, organic, really healthy meals, clean ingredients delivered right to your door for healthy home cooking, easy, convenient for any busy lifestyle, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Sun Basket also offers 18 different healthy options to choose from every week, including paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, Mediterranean, family style, and vegan. I love this feature because you can change your diet. And also when you get the package, it still comes with the rest of the recipes. So if you want to go out and get your own ingredients and make the other recipes in the book, it gives you that option as well. But honestly, the best part, Sun Basket is delivered in perfect portions with reliable nutrition information. And it's ready to whip up in about 30 minutes. There's really something for every healthy journey and every busy lifestyle. You guys have got to try this. Go to sunbasket.com slash Taylor to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash Taylor for $35 off. Sunbasket.com slash Taylor. Now back to the show. What do you, what do you think is a, a, another layer to that with the relationship? Because that, that like really sits with me. And I well, don't think that that's something, at least in my experience with talking with other women who have been in abusive relationships, mm-hmm. have really expressed that. And I think maybe there is a layer of it of like, you know, I can see this through, like I can, I can make this a better thing and I, I can, you know, wait it out kind of a thing. But I don't know if I've personally ever heard like feeling like 
that I wasn't strong enough to, I don't know. Well, what I think it has to do with is our whatever, our personal notion of success and what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've come lately to think of success as simply the act of fully showing up to whatever it is that you're doing yeah. and being able to be fully present with whatever that is. Uh, so the way that I would look at the, the factors that would contribute to uh, or the way that a relationship would look now to mm-hmm. say whether it was a sex success or not, very different than what I would have thought, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah. When, when my uh, idea of success in relationship was, you know, to find that person, to marry that person uh, probably as quickly as possible, and then to never, ever leave that person. Mm-hmm. That was, it was, it was pretty, pretty straightforward where a successful relationship was, and it was even told to me and by my, my community that, Success equaled length of time yeah. within, within the marriage. And so like a successful, they've been married 50 years, they're successful. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I got, to, got to find that that wasn't necessarily true yeah. because you can be uh, living every day for 50 years inside of a relationship without actually being, I think, successful in it, without mm-hmm. fully the way I understand success, showing up and being able mm-hmm. to be present in it. And there's, uh, of course, a lot of factors in that. But that was, that was the idea for me was that I didn't want to fail in that way. Yeah. And I didn't want to prove, you know, it, it, there was a certain amount of also manipulation where it's like uh, from... From peers and community. From peers and then also from her with like mm-hmm. this is, this is you know, God has mandated this and it has yeah. to be... You know, to 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 fail this relationship, meaning to, to leave God. it, is to fail God, and is is to actually go against the will of God. It was it. So it's a got, whole other got layer. Really, of it's a, that's a whole other layer, mm-hmm. which we can get into if we want. But um, that that and my just my desire to to please and to keep the peace mm-hmm. and to and to want to succeed um, and to want to. Uh, there was another part of me that knew that she had. Um, some pretty intense family issues mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> with with a with a I think an abusive father on on some level. If if uh, I don't fully know all, there are some things that I know happened that I don't know about. But I also know that her dad cheated on her on like three different wives. So there was there was yeah. this sense of like, are you just going to be like my dad mm-hmm. and leave like he always did? Yeah. Um, Almost to the place where it became a self-fulfilling prophecy, because mm-hmm. um, I, of course, had no intention to leave. But, but that was um, the more that that narrative was told to you, and in a way pressured onto you. Yes, but it, but it, 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 in the beginning, it worked. It worked in the sense mm-hmm. that I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to be that. Yeah. I am going to stay, no matter what." Um, and what that means for some people is a, is a beautiful sense of safety and security where people can live out their life and be like, okay, now that I, I know this is set, I've got someone that's just right there by my side. For other people, it's an opportunity um, to <laughs> get away with a lot. Mm-hmm. Like once, once some people realize that their partner's not going to leave, yeah. um, sometimes they feel okay or at the least can justify. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and, 
in some things that, that, that can be abusive mm-hmm. uh, physically or emotionally, yeah. they let out because, um, because they think they have that security that mm-hmm. you're not going to, yeah. you're not going to leave. So I want to take a quick break to talk to you guys about Mod Cloth. It's a fun, friendly spot for style that's as expressive and unique as you are. Inspired by amazing customers, it's Mod Cloth's mission to serve and celebrate the community, inspire individual style, and empower women to be the best version of themselves. Mod Cloth's signature label is designed by women for women. What's more, these exclusive looks come in a full-size range from extra, extra small to 4X. Got a question about fit? Their team of mod stylists can hook you up with complimentary sizing and styling help. I love Mod Cloth because they honestly have an amazing selection of cat-designed items, whether it's clothing or household goods. But I also totally have my eye on this pair of overalls that I plan to purchase for perhaps a little farmer's market excursion. To get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, go to modcloth.com, M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H.com, and enter code TAYLOR at checkout. Hurry, though, because this offer expires on June 29th, 2018. Once again, to get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, go to modcloth.com, M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H.com. TH.com and enter code Taylor at checkout. Hurry, this offer expires on June 29th, 2018. Now let's get back to the show. So what for you, looking back, I mean, at what point in the relationship do you think that some of the emotional abuse had started? And what did that look like? Um, It started for me or for us really, really early on um before marriage yeah yeah all all of the the realities of our uh, of our relationship were all present before Mm -hmm. and when i look back at some of the things that were even said on our first couple um first first couple dates and within that first year um can you remember what some of those things were in the beginning most of it was like this It, it felt like I was being pulled into a narrative that wasn't me, if that makes sense. It was, I was pulled like you in. You were being put in a box? Yeah, I was, I was pulled into a reality that was, that was her reality. And it was, it, was, it was a thing that, looking back, I see as a bunch of little, little tiny, little tiny things, little tiny acts of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, a little little uh, acting outs of insecurities that would then you know ask be me projected to do, onto you be, be projected onto me and then would be asked on me to like save me from this insecurity your action here will save me and then mm. I then I would start to feel that sense of responsibility yeah, exactly. responsibility so initially it's not as much you know the the the, the red flags have more to do with what kind of narrative are you then beginning to live and what what kind of reality conditioned to live are you being conditioned to be okay with mm-hmm. how far is that person able to push the boundaries mm-hmm. right um before because right at right at first if they push the boundaries too far they know that they'll scare people away mm-hmm. um 
we all or we all we all know that if we if we let all our masks down too quick it's just you know whatever mm-hmm. not not always a, a good look but for some people uh they'll put up a very specific mask for a long time and then and you feel like she had that yeah yeah uh, i also one of the 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 biggest things that i began to realize was the incredible difference between the way we were in private and the way that we were in public and that that was one thing that you know wasn't it wasn't a specific a specific thing mm-hmm. but it it over time i started to to see that pattern of how we could be one way and have one conversation in private and then go to you know be around one person and have a completely different conversation and she could be a completely different person and the reality of us was different and then we'd go to a somewhere else. It would be then completely different again. And I started to realize that there, there, was, there was no thing that was stable within the relationship other than uh, whatever reality we had that was always changing depending mm-hmm. on who we were with and depending on what we were doing and depending on what we were talking about. Uh, so it, it allowed me no sense of security because I was, it was always, always something a little yeah. bit different. But when I began to see those inconsistencies in our relationship and also in her, it got me to think, I'm like, wait a second, what, what, what is actually going mm-hmm. on here? Um, yeah, I mean, at that point, you're kind of like, well, wait, what does our relationship actually look like? Who am I actually in a relationship with? And 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 yeah, who are you? Mm-hmm. Like, what 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 am I supposed to believe? Yeah, um, because on on one day you're one thing, and on another day you're a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and that has to do with 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 a, a mental condition, which we can we can get into later, but mm-hmm. um, which I don't necessarily blame or fault her for i'm not like pointing a finger at her because I, I i know mm-hmm. that so much of it is not something that she had full control over yeah well, or even an awareness of an awareness and of yes. i think a, a very large part of this discussion and and of you know sharing your story here is that in this relationship you were also you know in relationship with someone with undiagnosed pretty serious personality disorder yes. from what it sounds like um and that 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 can create a whole host of um, you know unhealthy toxic dynamic dynamics within the relationship. And I know that's something that we've got letters about before. And um, you know, just kind of like how do you go about being in a relationship with someone who is struggling with their mental health, but either isn't aware of it, isn't open to getting that help? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you you know maintain and support, but then also be aware of yourself? And I think. That's definitely a part of, you know, your story and our conversation as we move forward with it. Yeah, I think awareness is a huge, a huge part of that because what I realized at some point was that I was beginning to be aware of some of these patterns that were going on and I was beginning to be aware of how, how much I was being worn down mm-hmm. um, and how much that I, mean, I even... Like I, I never had actual like thoughts of thoughts of, of suicide like in a, in a com- contemplating it way, but I, I I I have gone back and looked at like some of the songs that I wrote in that time mm-hmm. and some of the poetry and it's I I could look back at that now and or I looked at actually back at it just a couple years after mm-hmm. and was like that was a song that was a song about suicide that was a song about wondering 
how much more I could take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of that was because within that, I didn't feel I had words in some of the only way. I still feel like that in a lot of life. But the only way yeah. I could communicate is to, be, to write it down and to find a way to put it into a piece of poetry or into a lyric. Um, which sometimes don't make sense to me until later. Yeah. And I had to look back and be like, whoa, that was, that was dark. But there was in me a growing awareness of what was going on and a growing awareness of how much I was being beat down um, emotionally and how much of my self-worth was continually being put on the line and then, um, you know, ridiculed. And... Ridiculed. Ridiculed. Yeah. Um, and how would you describe that? What, 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 what would that look like? That would look like uh, me always being wrong. Not necessarily wrong like I did a thing wrong that was, that was there, but also the way of my being mm-hmm. was considered wrong. Um, Sounds like being very heavily criticized. Yes. One of the horsemen's of the apocalypse that Gottman's talk about. <laughs> and, you know, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's what that sounds like. Yeah, mm-hmm. very incredible. Uh, there was also an incredible ability to, to do the opposite, um, to compliment and to... to kind of to, overcompensating to, for yeah, that lay on, criticism. Lay on the bread and the butter of how you know amazing and, and uh, amazing I was in, it's a bit in, manipulative in a way that would would pull me back mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's uh it it was it, it be, became a very tangible i'm going to come come back to the awareness thing in just a minute, but it became a very tangible uh representation of the act of splitting where everything, where things are either all good or all bad mm-hmm. and and i began i began initially it was it was more subtle it was a little bits of good or a little bits of bad. Uh, but it eventually I, I began to see how much of the way that I was being treated was me being either treated as you can do anything, you're amazing, uh, on and on, whatever those are, those, those nice things, uh, to you, you're completely deplorable and untalented and you should probably just sell vacuum cleaners for the rest of your life or something like that. You know, there's like get, get, a, get a real job because mm-hmm. you'll never make it. Um, and it must've been really hard to, to deal with (laughs) and to hear it was, but over time, what I, what I found was my awareness began to increase and my, my separation, uh, from the situation, which partially had to do with numbness. I, I numbed myself so much, not through drugs or alcohol. I was completely clean and sober there, but my emotions were, numbed to a point where I couldn't, I could hear all that and just be like, okay. But then that also meant all the compliments were like, okay. okay." Mm -hmm. And I literally stopped being able to believe anything. So what I noticed was as my awareness was increasing, um, I also noticed that her awareness wasn't increasing in the same way. And so she was, she was never fully Mm self-aware of the reality of what was what was going on, despite uh, a number of of opportunities, mm-hmm. um, both from a couple different counselors, um, and just a reality of when, when, when like when someone 
you get in a situation with someone who's very discerning, who can say something very poignant, and you know it's true and correct, and then you, you know, this this, this happened where where someone someone was very 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 wisely um, got a couple layers deep into her psyche and uh, and basically spelled out what was going on. Was and what was that? Um. It was a really, really interesting conversation. Actually, I was at a at a piano bar, um, and and the guy that was playing has been playing at this place for, I mean, now it'd be thirty years if he's still there, thirty forty years. Um, a really fantastic a piano player and vocalist uh, who was also blind, and so he he performed and he had actually a full recording studio that mm-hmm. he. He uh, operated blind with this computer that would talk to him at like 10 times the speed of sound. But he was uh, an incredibly intuitive individual. Mm-hmm. And we got done with the show. And he said, we, it was one of those cool pianos that you can like sit around mm-hmm. at a bar. And, um, he was sitting there drinking his, drinking his red wine. He always had a red wine at the end of the show. And then she was sitting to his left and I was sitting two people over and he he could just do this thing where he would just hold her hold hold a, a person's hand or touch them in some way, and he was just just holding her hand. And then at one point he looked over at me, and he said, "You're afraid of her. Why are you afraid of her?" And I was like, "Well, I'm not. I, I know this guy well enough to know that I am getting nothing past him. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You're like, there's no denying this I, or I, acting like I don't yeah. know what he's talking about. And I'd, I'd known him for years at that point and mm-hmm. uh, through, mostly through other people. And we actually got closer afterwards. I did some recording with him and some performing with him. And he's awesome. Um, but I was just, just was like, yeah, because, and, I, and I don't remember the details of the conversation, but I know that it got to that level where I was like, yeah, this is, this is the reality of it. This is this is this is the way I feel about this and that and um, and then he was just very in in, in a way that he could do mm-hmm. uh, just went, got straight to the heart of of her and we left we left that with her just curled up in the back seat of the car just like uh, overwhelmed with the reality of 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 that. Maybe not even, I don't know whether that was a, a discovery or just a level of awareness of, of, of blinders coming off of her or I don't know what it was. What did he say to was. her? Or what did he point out? It was, honestly, it was so long ago, I don't want to, I don't want to, to, to try to put words in, in his mouth, but it, it had to do with the way that she saw the world and the way she treated people as a result of it. And I, I remember asking her, at the end of that night, because I knew it was, I, or I had a feeling it was going to change, I asked her how much of what he said was right, hmm. and she said all of it. And then the next day, uh, had nothing but horrible, awful things to say about him and how he was a <laughs> he was a fraud and how he mm-hmm. uh, he was mean and was was trying to trying to hurt her. Um, well, now they're trying, trying to, to protect herself. It was trying to her protect herself. Um, but that's why I asked the night before while she was still kind of in that vulnerable mm-hmm. place. For me, I, I wanted to know, yeah. is, was this right? Was, was he as right, on the, uh, as, as right on the money as it sounded like he was? Mm-hmm. And she said, yes. And then the next day everything changed. But what I, what I, what I f- 
saw moving forward was this increased increasing awareness that I had and an increasing, uh, despite those kinds of opportunities, um, and like I said, other things from a premarital counselor and then a marital counselor and then a pastor friend of ours, um, where she was given opportunities to to look mm-hmm. at herself and to take some responsibility for the way that she was not just treating me, treating yeah. really everybody around her, um, and then kind of refused mm-hmm. refused to take any kind of actual wasn't ready, couldn't do it. Yeah, I, well, yeah, chose I, not I, to. Because you have to believe a reality about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to you have to believe a reality that you've got you've got issues, and that's a hard. It can be a hard thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm zero percent saying I am or was perfect in any of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I like brought you've got issues, that. but like I've got them too. So give them all to me. And I'll give, give them <laughs> to you. It's a great song. Um, but I, I want to go a little bit back to what he said to you. Mm-hmm. That he said, you're afraid of her. Yeah. Because I, I, I couldn't open up. I couldn't reveal who I was. I couldn't say what I thought or what I felt because... Because I was wrong. Because that was wrong. I, I had this... Someone said this in, in passing and then I, I just was like, oh, that's reality. But the reality was anything I said or did could be used against me in a future and unrelated conversation or situation. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was... I, I, I remember I, at some point while I was married, I heard that and was like, oh, that's funny. And then I was You're like, like... that's funny But it's that's also really true. true. <laughs> you know, when... when and, and so what that did is it, it made everything I said very measured. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, a, it was a, a non-answer. It was non-committal. It was, it was a thing that I was just trying really hard not to have come back and haunt me later. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I had to create all these, these masks of identity and ways to... Walls. Walls, yeah. And it, it public excuses for her of why she's acting a certain way this way or there. And, uh, and so it made me afraid to 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 simply be with her mm-hmm. because it, because I, I i didn't feel like i could I, I felt like it was always a always an opportunity uh for a, some kind of future mm-hmm. manipulation and so how do you cope with that what did that look like for you staying in the relationship i know you said that you numbed i uh, i was I mean, I did. I just tried to continue to do the best I could, and I also tried to, um, like, I, I I numbed emotionally by learning how to stay unengaged. Um, but one one thing that I, I tried really hard not to do is numb myself through any kind of substance. Mm-hmm. I was raised very sober. I didn't, you know, because mm-hmm. of, uh, of my upbringing. Uh, and I, and I, I never wanted to fall. I, don't, I, I never thought, and I still don't think I have a very addictive personality, but I was like... You're like, just in case. Just in case. <laughs> I, wanna, I, I, don't wanna, I don't want this to be able to be used against me. I, wanna, I, want, mm-hmm. I want as much as I can to, to try to... And, and like I said, I, I, was, I was messed up in a whole lot of ways that don't have labels like a personality disorder just from, you know, whatever. Uh, a lot of things that I then had to deal with. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I was a great angel yeah. through this whole thing. <laughs> but, I, but I was aware that there was some ways that to deal with it that were way worse than others. Mm-hmm. 
And um, like I, I remember I had this, um, I, I barely drank ever. Um, but I had this little bottle of Crown, like a little, like a little tiny, like a sample bottle. I think I remember. I, you I told you this story. Mm-hmm. That it probably makes more sense now. But I was, um, I kept it in my desk, and I kept it as a reminder of like, don't go there, mm-hmm. because that that could send you both on a spiral. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for me, I just tried to be as as stable and as much of a peacemaker as I could. And where um, do you think that comes from? Within me. Yeah. It comes. It 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 comes partially for me from not wanting like I'm, I'm I am a I'm very much a, a peacemaker. I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want to be anyone's problem. I don't want to be in anyone's way. Mm-hmm. I come from a big family and learned a lot of like you know the way to mm-hmm. <laughs> the way to uh, succeed is to not cause any problems. On the Enneagram, I'm a nine. In case anyone's interested in that, Do you that, that will explain what that is. No. What the nine is. (laughs) What the nine is, at least. We can do another episode on that. We can do another episode on the the Enneagram. But the nine's the peacemaker um, Mm -hmm. who tries to do, you know, everything they can to to keep the peace at whoever's expense. Um, And one one downside of that is there's a a lack of assertion Mm -hmm. of, of projecting yourself into whatever that reality is. Which then also allowed her to take a little bit more of that control and and power and assertion absolutely. in the relation in the relationship and, absolutely and kind of create that pattern where you're more being belittled or being told that what you're doing is wrong and you're just kind of not having a response because you're just kind of like okay right I'm just gonna push those feelings down right now and not try to cause any more conflict than what right. you're already creating within us right now. Because she knew and I knew that if I did push back, that it would, there would be an explosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so where, like, has that pattern been, like, modeled for you anywhere? Like, does that pattern between two people look familiar at all? Like, uh, how do you think that you knew, or how do you think that you, like, took on that role within the relationship as opposed to perhaps her role? I think because it was a, it was a natural extension of my personality, mm-hmm. uh, for one. It, it, it played, that relationship played on the negative aspects of my personality. It played on the fact that my ability uh, and tendency towards being a peacemaker uh, means that I will do a lot <laughs> to to maintain that, and um, even even if it means losing a part of myself, and that was that was a thing that I, uh, not knowingly at that point, but that I that I gave up. I gave up that opportunity to mm-hmm. to step into myself and, and and assert it. And once her and her role and the way that she was playing and the way that she needed security or wanted security and to not be left and all that um, and to feel validated. Once she understood that about me, that was a thing that, that she could then use to keep me keep me right where she wanted me. And I, I didn't have, maybe as I didn't have the experience or the self-awareness or um, understanding of myself, or maybe I just didn't have the balls to to stand up, but I knew it was. It always just it became 
became a thing. I, you know, and at some point, if when I did, um, when I my awareness increased, and I just less and less started, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, just going along with it. it. It it did get to a place where it was every, you know, every month, routinely, I would be you know threatened to be left. Um, just pretty intense. Yeah. Especially when there is all this pressure around being in the relationship itself and that, you know, that it's a failure to God and it makes you a failure, that that's a lot to take on. Yeah. A lot of responsibility. And I took it very, very heavily and Mm -hmm. I took it very personally. I took it as like a, Mm -hmm. um, an an expression of my character to Mm -hmm. kind of, to stay there. So... And and not having the balls to assert yourself. Yeah. Not having the courage. Is, is, that's probably better better way to say that. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, what like is there a layer of that being that this is the flip side and being a male? And, and I mean, we're gonna very excited about this. We we are gonna do an episode about like masculinity and what that. Yeah, what that looks like and the stereotypes of that, um, but you know, just the fact that that's what naturally comes up is like, you know, I didn't have the balls, like and that implying that you were supposed to have the balls in this scenario, and um, I don't know. See, I don't know. I don't know either. I, I think that I think was, that there's layers to it for sure. But I, I think that that has a lot to do with lessons I learned growing up. About about the same thing about mm-hmm. how in order to keep the, the peace in a big house, you, mm-hmm. I just I just learned that to perhaps just, didn't have anything to do with balls at all, but that balls was just the word to you know synonymously with courage. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. or strength. Courage or strength, and kind of self. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The ability to assert oneself. Mm-hmm. And do you think that you found that within that relationship? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, I feel like I gave, uh, eventually I, I had the courage to, to leave. Um, and what did that look like? How did you come to that point? I came to that point because I realized that my awareness of the situation was increasing and I was becoming very conscious of of how down it was making me. Yeah, that you um, didn't really, you were like losing sight of who you were. You weren't feeling confident with who you were. You weren't feeling safe. Right. I was being very, very unsafe for a lot of reasons. Um, and, and it was getting to a place where I was not feeling safe physically either. Okay. Um, that it, it was it was beginning to cross levels into, you know, past emotional abuse and into potential physical abuse and how so like how do you think you were able to recognize that uh there were bursts of anger that began that that, that, there was there was things thrown that weren't just words um and i also like i i had a a skype conversation with my parents and they're they're pretty my, my dad's not one to to talk too much to he doesn't he doesn't get deep into stuff emotionally or any of that, any of that he's he kind of keeps to his own in that sense but after that conversation he sent me an email it was just like he could just tell he 
you could tell that was so beat down by it all that he was like, something's going on. You should, you should, you should look at it. Um, but it, as, as, as I, my awareness of that was increasing, I was also becoming more and more aware of how unaware she was mm-hmm. and how unwilling it seemed at that point she was to take responsibility for any of the things that she was doing or saying or the ways that she was being. Um, and part of that was because I saw some very particular rejections of, you know, when someone could say, this is what's going on. And, and I, I, mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see that. Not, not, not because they're trying to be mean, but because this is, this is, okay, this, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then to have her categorically deny it and say, oh, no, that's something, or to put it on me and yeah. say that it was all my fault. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just project- projecting something onto her because of my issues. Um, and that she was not to be blamed for any of it. Uh, it doesn't it, sound like she could take any responsibility for any part that she played in the relationship or even in that of hurting other people around her. Right. And it, it got to a place where I, 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 you know, I wasn't, I wasn't always a nice guy through all of that because it was just, I wasn't, de- I, I, I couldn't even think nice things because it was, it was all just so, so negative. And so I realized that, that my, the cards I had to play were, were getting much, much more limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point the, the only, the only card that I, that I could see to play was, was to leave. Um, to, to try to just forge out on my own and, and deal with the things that I knew I had to deal with that I wasn't given any opportunity to deal with because it was, it was too tumultuous. And perhaps of a you didn't have the space situation. to. I didn't have the space it. to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all, all the, all the attention needed to kind of be focused one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I realized that I needed, I needed space to, to deal with, deal with my things. And because I didn't have it, I chose to leave um, because I, I didn't feel I had any power to make any other, other changes within it, um, mm-hmm. which I, I, I know that there's some could even look and, and say, and, and I can even look back and say, well, did I, <laughs> did I do everything I could? That's a, that's a great, I think a question a lot of people ask, is there something else I can do? Is there another mm-hmm. leap I can overturn? Is there another perspective in order to not just give this whole thing up? Mm-hmm. And, um, what I realized that no matter how many times I could talk my way around it, there was a, there was a point where it was more difficult at first. It was going to be worse before it was better. Yeah. But I had to take responsibility for myself. And the way I had to do that was by giving myself the space I needed. And that meant giving her the space that she needed mm-hmm. or uh, potentially if she chose to use it that way um, and, and leave. And I think also that how you were saying that you can you can think over all these different things and say, what else can I do? But also that at a certain point, it's so unrealistic to ask of someone that like it's not your responsibility to fix your partner. Right. And that that is an an incredible weight to have to carry and 
the fact that you were able to look at that and say, like, there's things within me that I need to look at and I need to allow space for, mm-hmm. and I can't do that in this relationship and I don't have support to do that in this relationship. And in fact, this relationship is a lot of what's like causing that within me that I need to look at right now. Yeah, yeah. And to have that courage to say, this is not for me anymore. Yeah. Which is, a, I mean, that was a... It was a big decision, and and it's, I don't think it's the the correct decision for everybody mm-hmm. to say. You know, if it's hard, just leave. Um, it was a decision that I took very, very yeah. um, intentionally and, and with an understanding of the weight of it. Uh, but it's also a decision that I that I made, and I'm I'm very proud of myself for this. That once I made that decision, I stuck to it, mm-hmm. and I never for a second gave an inch. Um, to say that I would be manipulated by it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that took also a lot of strength. And it also took, I mean, I, I, had to, I had to kind of use some of that numbness that I had learned uh, to be able to, to, to just shut it all off and say, it doesn't matter what you say and it doesn't matter what you do. I've made this decision and I'm going to follow through with it. It's quite assertive of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's quite um, a lot of balls of you. <laughs> that was a lot of balls. It did take a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of... Um, it, 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 was, it was a good move. Mm-hmm. It was a good move because it allowed me to start playing, toward, playing into my strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and As to be opposed able to, to bringing out the worst. Yeah. Yeah, it was like okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to bring out my best, and part of my best is understanding what I what I am uh, what I choose to allow into my life and what I don't, and what kind of uh, situation I think I deserve to be in, and what kind of situation I, I think I I don't I don't deserve I don't I don't deserve to be treated this way. Mm-hmm. Um, now, last night, yeah, you had a very emotional. Goodbye with someone that that was that was a necessary of the relationship that it was the natural flow of it um, that she is leaving the state um, and so that there was a knowing that that relationship was coming to an end but that it allowed you a lot of practice and being present in the relationship and we reflected a lot on like the things that you've learned from the relationship this is a very mm-hmm. very beautiful one and we went through and listed a bunch of things that you realize and that you learned and that you take away from how you felt in this relationship that you deserve that was a i'm really glad we had that conversation it 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 was something that I, I hadn't necessarily thought so directly about. Mm-hmm. But then to just, uh, with you, talk about it and put into words those things. And then also, as we have this conversation, realize how much of those are just the, the, the opposite of, of mm-hmm. what I thought about myself mm-hmm. and about what I claimed that I deserved yeah. um, and what you were know, you, years ago. What were you telling yourself that you deserved in, this, in that marriage? Well, what did you learn you deserved? Uh, in, the, in the beginning or in the end? Like in, as, as While you're in it. Culminating up to the place where I left or what kept me in it to begin with? While you're in it, what that was teaching you about what you deserved in a relationship. 
Well, initially going into it, uh, there's there's a bit of a uh, in in the, the my mindset as I was growing up was was kind of one of delayed gratification, where if you if you put up with something now, you'll get a reward later, um, which. In, in a lot of a lot of re- religions, kind of have this in in their lifeblood, mm-hmm. where if you're if you're good now, you'll have heaven later, mm-hmm. and that kind of thinking is comes out in in a lot of just the day to day actions, where you deny your deny now, and then you'll get a reward later. And some of that is, you know, I think it's great, um, and can be a very fundamental truth. But some of it can uh, push the view of reality and mm-hmm. warp it in a way that um, doesn't allow you to be fully present because you're always waiting for you know, heaven, whatever that is, uh, to be later. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it played out there was if I, if what, what I deserve, what I deserve is, is to be, you know, to have a long marriage, you know, my, my, because that was my, my view of success. Mm-hmm. What I deserve is have a long marriage that everyone looks at and says is good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I realize that success isn't, isn't those things. And you can have a long marriage that everyone thinks is great and still be uh, completely desolate. So initially internally. you were telling yourself that you deserved a long, successful marriage. And so to have that, that you were going to have to go through this pain and that these things were going to exist because eventually what you did deserve was this long, successful marriage. Yes. Yes. And what I found going into, you know, last night was almost the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. That what, what the, the situation was that I, there was someone that was going to leave. Mm-hmm. Whether I liked it or not, yeah. for, they, they were going to be here and then they were going to be gone. Yeah. And what that allowed me to do is the exact opposite and say, I have to invest not in what I think I might deserve later, so I'll have to put up with a bunch of crap now. But what is the crap I that I want now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the, there is no later. Yeah. All I have is now. So all I have to do is say, I deserve to be loved and to, and to love. I deserve to be kind and to be treated fairly and to be treated with respect and adoration. And I deserve to have an opportunity to give that to someone else, not tied to anything else, not tied to tomorrow. Tied to just the fact that this is what I have right now, and this is a person that I get to, to to be with, even if it's just for a second. So, it's it's it it's it's the opposite, mm-hmm. almost completely, uh, in, in my mindset now, than it was ten years ago, mm-hmm. fifteen years ago. And and I mean, how does that? impact you today? I mean, is this the first relationship now, 15-ish years later, that you're looking at and saying, yeah, I do deserve to be kind to. I do deserve to be understood. I deserve to be respected. That those things are really showing through. It's maybe not the first time I've thought those things, uh, but it is is a, a very prime example yeah. Of that manifesting in mm-hmm. into life, um, in in that sense, in the sense that it was with a uh, you know with a with a girl or with some kind of romantic connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also, in, in the beauty of of 
this thinking. The, the beauty of it is that I've, I've also seen that in all these other areas of my life, mm-hmm. um, whether it just be friendship. When I like, you know, I look at someone like you, and I'm like, no, I, I deserve to have a to have a friend who who, who understands me and, and who who does make sacrifices for me, and that I can make sacrifices for and give to and not feel manipulated or taken advantage of that mm-hmm. and, you know and then i think that with my career where it's not a it's not a thing where i if if, if i do this thing then i'm going to have something else mm-hmm. where it's a, i have a thing i have the i have the ability to to sing and make a living and it's it's so it's such a it's such a happy beautiful thing it's mm-hmm. not waiting for anything else what i deserve yeah. is is to have the life that i want here and now um and you know, however simple that is, but the way you look at it mm-hmm. um, is is acting out and manifesting. It's just kind of a weird word, but like um, bringing into life that reality yeah. that that it's not all the, the delayed gratification is a thing, mm-hmm. um, but also understanding what you deserve and then and and living it. Yeah, and I think takes a lot of courage a lot of balls to do it does it it, it does um but it also but, takes a lot of of internal work it takes a lot of yes knowing what, what and, what, and what i think it? it's, what is it you want it's developing that relationship with yourself first because also how you treat yourself is how you're letting other people know how to treat you yes so yes and i and that is that is the other uh incredible you know, like you know, like when you can know something in your head, and then like even you can hear it, and you can you can read it on Instagram or uh, hear it in a, a lecture or a great self help book, and you can understand it in your brain. Um, but it's a, there's a different place where you understand it in your mm-hmm. in the way that you're actually living. Yeah. Um, and no. yeah, that, and that has to do with awareness of self. Mm-hmm. You gotta have that emotional intelligence. Um, <laughs> but did you ever talk to other guys? Like, were there friends in your life, in your life, or in your life now that you've been able to like share this experience with and like have them relate to in some way? Like, have you been able to open up with another man about the abuse within that relationship and how that impacted you? I I haven't really uh you know, talked about it much. Um you know this this conversation with you is really the most the thorough mm-hmm. uh, go through of the of the whole thing that that I've had. I I know yeah. that while I was in it, you know, I had a a very close pastor friend that mm-hmm. um that I was able to <clears throat> um be be very open with about about it and who was he was able to kind of see through yeah through so those you were things. able to kind of talk through it while in it well um yeah. and then and then afterwards as well but uh, there there was a point where especially right afterwards mm-hmm. it's just it's also fresh you just yeah. you, you need know, space from talking it. about my <laughs> talking about that and and also i would end up in these places where i'm just you know you're talking and and it's it's easy to get in, you know, where you're you're blaming or you're like, oh, this was, you know, and it's it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even now I talk about it now. There were some parts of it that were that were awful, um, but I, I I hope I'm not making it sound like it was all just you know because she's you know, like I'm like I'm 
I, I, I'm, I'm, I want to be conscious with uh, the way that I'm presenting it so that I'm taking responsibility for what I have to take responsibility for and not trying to just put yeah. it all on her. Good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when it, was, when it was really fresh, it was really easy to fall in those, those traps of... Mm-hmm. Um, of just of, of blame or accusation or of, you know, whatever, of, of, of speaking from a place of hurt because the hurt mm-hmm. was still so fresh. Yeah, and, and that's okay to, to also even now to speak from that place of hurt and that doesn't mean that you're putting the blame on her. It's a package? Probably. I don't think it's anyone. I'm not expecting anyone to be coming. So I'm... maybe I need to grab the package when you rush in. Maybe. Is that the people that bought the house? Yes, and they already got us a different gift here. And the night that we went over offers, they sent champagne and a whole, like, my goodness. <laughs> Laying it on thick. <clears throat> Where were we? Because I think, I think in that sense, in you wanting to make sure that you're also taking responsibility for yourself, which you very much have, that you're also in a way trying to like protect her and take responsibility for the ways that that she was actually acting out and hurting you and the ways that, you know, she was perhaps suffering from her own mental health um, difficulties that, you know, I, I still hear that in you now, even when you say that, when you say like, well, I want to make sure, you know, I'm not like putting the blame on her and not, you know, and I think part of that is just because that is part of your like caring personality, but also kind of speaks to like the level of manipulation that she was yeah. able to exert over you. Yeah. And part of it too is I, I, you know, we, I saw her in the courtroom, mm-hmm. we signed the papers and then she walked to the elevator and I walked to the stairs and I haven't seen her since. So there's, mm. there is this sense of like, I don't know where she is or how she's doing or what she's doing. And I don't want to, I don't want to, um, you know, if someone does know her, I, I hope she's doing well. That, 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 that's part of it too. Um, yeah. Some feelings there? No, surprisingly. Uh, okay. it's, 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 it's thoughts. It, it's, uh, you know, I think I hope, but I, 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 I haven't opened up the feeling part of it. Still some walls around that. Uh, I hope that I've been able to take down those walls and experience them with other, and experience that, that the life that I want with, with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm too far removed from it to, you know, try to feel feelings about it. 
mm-hmm. now. Um, I think those feelings have and or <laughs> will continue to process uh, through interactions with other people when I'll get op- opportunities and have had opportunities to deal with the things that I need to deal with and uh, but also experience the joys that I want to experience um, and deserve to experience unassociated with any any other baggage yeah. of of what it was like to be in within that relationship hmm. as we wrap up i want to know if there's anything that you want specifically to share with people perhaps other men who are in abusive relationships currently or even to women who are in abusive relationships right now of what you would say to them or what you would say to yourself back then? Um, What I would say is I think there are some really important questions to ask. Um, And I think those, those questions, it's, it's really easy to get caught in the, I guess you'd say surface level of things, Mm -hmm. the whatever argument of the day, yeah. Or whatever uh, ish, issue of the moment. Um, and they, they can become very prevalent in the mind and the mind chatter can just be like, brrr, running a million miles a minute. So the first thing I would, I would say is, is to take some time to take a step back. If you feel like there's a lot going on there, take a step back. Um, and then, you know, for a minute, like, yes, you want to be very, very, clear about what the reality is mm-hmm. of the situation and if there's something going on that is outside of your control um that was one thing that i did need to hear at some point uh and it was this the pastor friend that we were we, we had just gone through a counseling session with him and he was like there may be something here that's mm-hmm. you know out of your out of your control it may not be all your fault is what he what he told me um it does take two yeah well and i and then that that allowed me at least the opportunity to begin to zoom out and say, what is really going on here? Um, so what I, what I would say is first, zoom out, take, take a minute, yeah. get, out, get out of the mind chatter and try to zoom out. Second thing I would say is be very, very, very careful about those, uh, the cycles that lead to isolation. Because we lose perspective. Yeah, absolutely. When we get isolated, when we get isolated from our family, we get isolated from our friends, we get isolated from our communities, we get isolated from our ability to ask questions, from our ability to say, this is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found was that there was a reality that needed to be maintained and a question that reality was always, it was, um, frowned upon uh and the best way to to create and maintain that reality was to uh, maintain a sense of isolation from the external world so that none of those things could be uh, brought to light so uh after you zoom back i would make sure that you've got some perspective Mm -hmm. uh and if you make an attempt to unisolate yourself and to go to therapy or yeah. to bring a friend into the situation uh, or talk to a pastor or what, whatever that is and your significant other 
rejects it, retaliates against it, pushes back on it really, really hard. I see that as a very, uh, very bright red yeah. flag uh, that that leads nowhere good. Mm-hmm. That isolation leads, leads nowhere good. Um, the second thing I would say is to remember to always uh, be kind through it all because the reality is when, when someone does have any kind of, you know, we're all, we're all dealing with stuff yeah. and some people are dealing with some really, really heavy, heavy things, things from their childhood and pain bodies that, yeah. that literally can take control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, it sounds like to have some compassion with that. Like I hear that from you that you yes. very much have a certain understanding of where she was at and, and, it doesn't sound like you, you you even give blame to that, but that you're able to like compassionately sit with that and understand where she was coming from. Because I know enough about her life and what mm-hmm. she went through when she was younger that that contributed to maybe her developing this um, this condition. Uh, but also, it, it the more perspective, even in time that I have, the more it really feels like so much of it was out of her control. She wasn't trying yeah. to manipulate me. She wasn't mm-hmm. trying to be abusive. She was trying to feel safe and secure. And the only way she knew that was to create this reality. And then I was a part of that reality. And so she, I had to be controlled. And mm-hmm. and so, and that's great perspective to have. Yeah, but then also learning to be kind within that. And then the, the other thing I would say is to learn how to be truthful. Learn how to be truthful with yourself yeah. of what, where you are, what your reality is. Mm-hmm. And then also learning to be true to yourself of mm-hmm. who am I? What do I want? What do I deserve? Is this something that, um, that is going to contribute to my growth? Mm-hmm. And how? Because it, it's always an opportunity to contribute to your growth. And some, sometimes it's by um, working through it, by diving straight into it. Yeah. And sometimes it's by saying... You know, I don't. I don't have anything else to give here. Mm-hmm. There's. The, I've reached the bottom of this barrel. There's no more energy, and there's no more. There's no more love to give. There's no more life. I have yeah. to. I have to be truthful with myself, mm-hmm. and say that whatever this is is becoming cancerous and spreading, and there's a toxicity to it that is that I have. I have to to find yeah. a way to deal with either by confronting it, or in 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 some cases by actually just saying, you know what. I need to get out of it. Yeah. I, I need to step away. It's okay away. to walk away. It's okay to walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very, very okay. And that doesn't mean all the problems are going to go away because yeah. you're, you're, you walk away. You are, you, you are a part of it as well. And that, that's, yes. that's also going to follow you afterwards and to take yes. some time. And the, the things you have to deal with, you still got to deal with. Mm-hmm. Leaving them doesn't, doesn't make all those things yeah. go away. But mm-hmm. if, if the reality is that there's no space there, for you to be able to do that and if attempts towards growth and attempts towards truth and mm-hmm. attempts towards community and lack of isolation are being pushed against and they say, uh, no, this is untruthful. Uh, you are not this way. You don't deserve this. You don't uh, deserve to. Uh, others, others can't be included in this because they may tell me something I don't want to hear. Those kinds of things, I think, are are very significant red flags. Yeah, um, I think that's great advice. Yeah, it's a good reflection to have had, and I think is like very helpful step by step things for people to take away. Yeah, and one thing that I think would be super powerful um, as a takeaway from this episode 
really like kind of the exercise that we did last night verbally, but doing that in a tangible way of writing that stuff down, of literally writing down the things that like you learned you deserved by being in that abusive relationship, mm-hmm. the things that you were told about yourself, and then separately writing down the things that you do deserve and the things that perhaps you've reflected on after the abusive relationship or that you wish for the future or that you take some time and look at yourself and say, you know what, these actually are the things that I deserve. Mm-hmm. And writing those things down, literally just, I deserve blank. I deserve blank. I deserve blank. Like at least five things, jot those down and take a few minutes to sit with those things. Yeah. Yeah. There was, it's, it, that's, that's not a selfish thing. No, no. It, it, there, there's a part of me that even last night I, I, I felt a little bit of not resistance to, but like that little part of me was like, oh, can I really say that? Can I say that I deserve to be adored? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. And I know there's like for me, I have a certain thing with the word deserve and like Louis C.K. does a uh, bit on it where it's like deserve, like no one deserves anything. <laughs> like don't, no one deserves, like you're not right. entitled to anything. You don't deserve anything. But I also look at that as like deserve, when you, when you say you deserve something, that it's a line that you're drawing with saying that mm. you will, you will you will take nothing less than this and that this is something that you want and that you believe you are worth. Yeah. That maybe it's not a, I deserve this, but it's a, I am worth respect. Right. I am worth adoration, adoration. I don't know how you say that. Adoration. Adoration. Being adored. Being adored. I am worth being adored. Well, that's like the word deserve. If we're not careful, we can say we deserve something that means we're owed it and someone else owes yes, us. Exactly. Um, so I think the important distinction there is to start mm-hmm. with I deserve it. Because I'm worth it. Because I'm worth it. And I deserve first and foremost to give it to myself. Yes. And then when, if I can adore myself mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm like, oh, I deserve that, then it, it's, it's, it's a no... It's, it's a non-issue. It's, yeah, and it's when a standard that you're along. setting for yourself. Yeah, when someone else comes along and they treat you a certain way and you say, "That's I treat myself better than that. I'd rather be by myself. And then someone comes along yeah. and says, here, you've, you've, you've treated yourself really well. Mm-hmm. Here's some more. And then you're able to just accept it and, and to yeah. be with it in a way that, that can not be even attached to anything else. It can just be a thing mm-hmm. that allows you know, heaven on earth, that allows mm-hmm. you to, to be in the reality that you want to be in um, in a really cool way. Yeah. I think it has been a real, like, a process that I'm very thankful for and that feels very much to be a privilege to observe and be a part of your journey to realizing, and maybe you've realized these things before, but of really identifying these things as you go through these different mm-hmm. relationships and that that took a lot of courage and vulnerability and openness on your part, especially last night, to reflect on those things that you deserve in a relationship and that you are really going to strive for and not not take that shit that you've taken in the past, but to like assert yourself and not take anything less than what you would give yourself. 
I think that's super powerful. And mm. I think to allow yourself the space for those feelings and to be emotional in that way, I think is really powerful. And especially for men, I wouldn't want you to be in any relationship with someone who wouldn't allow the space for that with respect yeah. and kindness. And kindness. That was just as that to say, <laughs> and kindness, which, which is an easy thing to overlook, but that can be the most important thing is, mm-hmm. can there be a level of kindness that continues mm-hmm. to be present? And if, if that gets threatened, that, that to me is an indicator of, of you know, some, some kind of imbalance. It's like, you know, pay attention, pay mm-hmm. attention. When, once you take away kindness, you take away a lot, yeah. uh, a lot of opportunity. So thank you for giving me this, this, you know, this space to, mm-hmm. to share this all, um, which I'm really, you know, so it's, it's, this may be revealing too much about you, but um, <clears throat> you've, you've mentioned that it's like often you get, don't you do a podcast and you have like a, your, your, your pits that don't normally sweat. Mm-hmm. I just got a whiff of like a thing. I don't smell this. <laughs> I'm not used to this. I got a little whiff of the, uh, the stress pit. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, know how you know how you feel. So this is, uh, yeah, of course, a, a vulnerable place, mm-hmm. but a, a space that I'm very happy to have been mm-hmm. able to share with you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. The sweaty pit um, is just another <laughs> step on the path of vulnerability. The sweaty that- pits are- that Sweaty shows real. real strength. <laughs> the the stress odor. Mm. That's how you know you're doing the work. You know, I don't know how scientific that is, but <laughs> it's it. it we, we've been doing some unofficial experiments, and uh, we're we're on we're on track to this being a good indicator. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on as a guest this time, and like sharing your personal story. Um, if you guys want to keep up with Kit, you can follow him at Kit Bender on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that is with... Two T's. Two T's. Yeah. Kit Bender. And his website, kitbender.com. Mm-hmm. You can check out his music on there. If you guys are in Seattle, you can see him at Keys on Main. Um, doing some awesome singing and piano playing. I don't think there's any sweaty odor there. At least not like... It's a it's a sweaty odor, odor, but it's not a stress odor. It's a different kind of yeah. sweat. It's more yeah. of a lights and mm-hmm. he'll smell much better for you guys than he does for me right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you guys can also keep sending us letters at ask dot let's talk about it at gmail dot com, and you can find the pod on Instagram at let's talk about it underscore podcast. So thanks for tuning in to another episode. Yeah, we'd love to hear your reaction have this yeah leave us reviews on itunes leave us reviews what on i would iTunes. love actually is to read your guys's lists if anyone is still listening past yeah, that yeah. outro <laughs> right now um to <laughs> to this should have been inserted earlier um but to write your list that of what you deserve in a review yeah the five things that you deserve yeah and then give yourself those things don't 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 expect them or uh, from anybody else until give yourself you those things. think of those things. Use your relationships as ways to like remind you of, mm-hmm. of sometimes this happened and I don't deserve to be treated that way. And then say, okay, well, how do I deserve to be treated? Yes. Live that way. Yes. And write it in an iTunes review. Okay, that's all. <laughs> that's all. We'll talk about it next time.
podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.